Ephesians chapter 6, where we have uh, been for the last several weeks looking at this thing called the armor of God. Uh, the, it tells us that we need to put on God's armor in order to uh, stand our ground uh, uh, in, in this spiritual battle that we face each day. Uh, we find it, as it said, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 20. I'd encourage you to, uh, to, to pull that out uh, and, and check that, not just during this time, although that's a, a great uh, thing to do because you need to see if I'm telling you the truth or not. Uh, but, uh, but also, this is a great passage. This is one of the fundamental passages in Scripture that I think we need to, if we don't have it memorized, we should certainly know a lot about what's there. We should uh, we should be understanding this. It's one of the, the one of the fundamental things, and and so the, these uh, ten or eleven verses um, are instrumental in our in our uh, in our uh, spiritual experience. I'd encourage you to read over, especially during these weeks as we're as we're spending time uh, studying it on Sundays. Uh, the, the the truth is, uh, as it's described there, that that. There's a war being waged in heavenly realms, it says, uh, between good and evil, between heaven and hell, between right and wrong, between God and the devil, and that war plays out in our lives as we face temptation, temptation to sin, uh, temptation to break God's law, to go against God's will. And so those temptations are, are crafty at times, and without the proper preparation, we will quickly succumb to what this scripture calls the devil's schemes. So imagine a soldier going into battle uh, in only shorts and a t-shirt. It would be a suicide mission, right? Uh, he or she would, would need the, the proper protection to stand against the weapons of the enemy. And, and we need that too. So that's the, the imagery here. This is, it's a, an image of, of war, of going to battle. Uh, we have to suit up, as the, uh, as the title of the series says. We need to suit up or put on the armor of God. We need to remember a couple of things. One thing is that this is God's armor. It's not your armor. We're putting it on, but God is providing these things for our protection so that we can stand uh, even when, as it says, the day of evil comes. This is God's truth. It's God's righteousness. It's, it's his gospel. It's, it's faith in him. It's his spirit. It's his word. We have to take the time and the effort to develop these things in our lives, to put them on, but God is the one providing them. And those, that's an important distinction. We need to realize that in the context of this. And so, so last week, uh, you shod your feet with the readiness uh, to share the gospel. And thank you, Diane, Pastor Diana, for, uh, for sharing that last week. We've, we've put on the, uh, the, the, the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, and we've put on our shoes. So what's next? As you see there, it is the shield. There is a shield of faith. A soldier's shield in the time that Ephesians was written uh, was made of two layers of wood covered with a flame-resistant leather or, or hide. It was... Uh, uh, it, about door size, they they uh, they said in in many many cases. So it would they could hide behind that shield. It was it was a a, a big old deal. Uh, they would soak the shields in water, 
prior to a battle. They would, so they were making them as fireproof as possible because uh, in an attack, many times the enemies would have these flaming arrows. And, and maybe you saw, it was a little dark, but maybe you saw that uh, on the screen where, uh, where, where the, uh, um, the, the army bent down, gathered behind those shields. The arrows came, they stuck in the shields. The army just moves that out of the way and everything's fine and, uh, and, and they would move on. It not only protected them from the arrows, but, but uh, the, the thought was, and most of the time it worked, that these shields would, would also extinguish the, uh, the, the, the flames on these, on these, uh, on these arrows. So, uh, so, so they would, they would cover up, they would get behind these, uh, these shields and, and no harm was done, uh, and they w- could continue on. It's a great image to portray our, our faith and what faith does in our lives because faith not only protects us, but it also extinguishes the, the attacks of the devil. So, so today I, I want us to, to look, uh, at, at what faith is and, and how it protects us like a Roman shield. What does that look like? What does that, it's great to think of the image, but how does that play out in our lives every day? Every one of us, whether you know it or not, uh, every one of us exercises faith in hundreds of ways every day. When you woke up this morning, probably went into the bathroom and you flipped on the light switch, and in doing that, you had faith that the light was going to come on. Or maybe you didn't want the light to come on uh, because you wanted to stay kind of in that, uh, you know, hazy type of uh, situation. I don't know. Uh, it, when, you, when you turned the knob on the shower, maybe uh, you, uh, you believed with all of your heart, you had every reason to believe that water was going to come out, right? Uh, when you got in your car, you had faith that it would start. For some of us, that takes more faith than others, right? But, uh, but, but you had faith that it was going to start and it was going to get you to church where, uh, where you were coming today. Right now, your faith is literally resting in the chair where you sit, right? You're, you have faith that it's going to hold you, that it's, it's, it's up to the task, right? Uh, you're trusting in the people that designed that chair, uh, the, the people that made that chair and put it together, that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. We express faith in physical things every day in our world. We could go on and on and on with the examples of that. So, so I guess I'm thinking about that uh, in, in thinking, well, why have we put faith, uh, take the chair, why have we put faith in that chair? Why do we trust that it's going to hold us up? I think there's, a, there's probably a lot of reasons. A couple big reasons are past experience. You've probably been here before. Maybe you sat in that exact same chair many times before. It's held you in the past, and so you know that, uh, that, that there's every indication that it's going to hold you in the future. Another thing that, that I think helps us to, to put faith in these chairs is to look and see, well, there's a lot of other people sitting in their chairs and it seems to be working for them, so maybe it's going to work for me too. So not only my own experience, but also seeing other people's experience uh, emboldens our faith and helps us to, uh, to, to trust in uh, what, uh, what, in this case, trust in that chair. But, but you really don't know for sure that that chair is going to hold. I mean, you have every indication that it will, and it's done it in the past and other people, but you don't really know that it's going to do it until you sit down, right? Until you put your all on the altar, right? Hebrews 11 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because, because if I have faith, I, I, I'm believing something that I can't see or that I can't completely prove. 
Philip Yancey, author uh, uh, Philip Yancey says, faith is believing in advance what makes sense only in reverse. I can have faith uh, that, that that chair will hold me and, and I can see evidence that it most likely will, but it takes the final sit down before I can prove without a doubt that it's going to happen. So, so there's an intellectual element to faith. I, I begin to understand something. I feel it. I, I grasp its importance. I, I might even say that I believe it. But there's a very important element of action in faith. We have to act on what we believe. The Hebrew word for faith, uh, the, the word for faith in the Old Testament is the word emuna. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, you don't know any different either. So, so just believe it and move, move ahead with that. That, that word in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word for faith, literally means to take firm action. It's not this intellectual, I think of this, or I'm, I believe in that, or I'm going to uh, maybe uh, dwell on this for a while or make this argument. It's to take firm action. To have faith is to act. Maybe you've heard about uh, uh, this story that's, that, that's told about uh, uh, perform, circus performer years ago uh, up at uh, Niagara Falls and uh, strung the, uh, the wire across Niagara Falls and, and uh, walked across the wire. And a crowd started to gather and, and he went back across the wire and, and then he went back again and this time he ran across the wire and the crowd was, uh, was enthused and, and uh, cheered and the crowd grew a little bit bigger and, and then he went back across the wire and, and he actually did some tricks while he was there and kind of jumped and did some, some little uh, uh, di- uh, almost dancing, I guess, across the wire and, and everyone was, was excited. So then and when he got back across, he got a wheelbarrow and he pushed that wheelbarrow back across on that wire over the falls and everyone cheered and then he got some bricks and he filled that wheelbarrow full of uh, full of bricks and he went back across the wire and, and everyone cheered and then he turned to the crowd and he said how many of you believe that I could take a person in this wheelbarrow across this wire and they all said yes I believe you can do that oh this is amazing and he said okay who's my volunteer and they all went to have faith real faith <laughs> is to act not just to profess Not a single person was willing to volunteer to ride in that wheelbarrow. Even though they said they believed that it could happen. Real faith takes action. We believe, we trust to the point that we act. Faith is less about knowing and more about doing. So so we've talked about faith in chairs and, and the doing is the sitting down, right? We've talked about faith in, in tight ropes and uh, tight rope walkers and the faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. What about faith in God? Well, that's really what we're talking about here with this shield of faith, right? Uh, we're concerned with what, what it would take to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one with this shield of faith. So to understand that, I want us to, to, to come at this first in, uh, in looking at some of the common misconceptions of faith, what faith isn't, I guess. And so there, there are a few things here. The first one is that faith, uh, some people believe or act as though faith is the ability to manipulate God. Faith is the ability to, to uh, if I just believe it enough, God has to do it. That's, that's not the faith in, of scripture. That's the faith of the, uh, I don't know, the, the health and wealth prosperity gospel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe it hard enough. And if I believe it hard enough, God has to do it. Well, that puts me in charge and, and not succumbing to the will of God. So, uh, that, that approach only sees faith as a means of getting what I want. And so it's, it's focused on, it's a misconception. That's not, that's not true faith of, 
of the Bible. Uh, another misconception is that faith is following a set of beliefs. It is that, but there's a lot more to it. It's not just, okay, I say, yeah, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. And so, uh, so, so it, it is that, but we have to believe the right doctrine. But faith is more than that. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. It's an experiential thing. It's not, it's not just that, that I believe these things and say, okay, I, I'm ticking them off the list of my theological beliefs or thoughts. Another thing that, that some people think that faith is just this blind leap in the dark, so to speak. I'm just gonna, there's, there's no real proof or evidence of anything, so I'm just gonna jump out in the dark and hope that God catches me, right? They, they think that, that, that in order to have faith, you're denying everything that you know and just jumping out there. But faith isn't just a blind leap. S- some folks think that faith is simply, uh, devotion to whatever God Someone happens to follow. Oh, that person is a deep person of faith. Whether they're, 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 they're following Muhammad or the Ayatollah or uh, they're a Christian. Uh, what matters in some folks' mind, a person of faith is just someone who's sincere in their belief. The faith of scripture it matters what or who our faith is in, right? Sometimes we mistake those things, and I'm sure there are many more uh, uh, misconceptions. Sometimes we mistake those things for faith, but let's come at this from another angle. I told you a couple weeks ago that, that, uh, that, that armies have armor that is related specifically to the weapons that they, 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 the, the, their enemy has. So, for instance, if the enemy has machine guns you will protect yourself differently than if the enemy has swords, right? There's, there's different. And so my armor, how I protect myself, is based pretty much on what the enemy is coming at me with. So, so we have to look at what these flaming arrows are that the evil one attacks us with. That the faith is supposed to be so effective in, in extinguishing all of the flaming arrows of the evil. What are these things? I think the first one is doubt, right? What, if, if faith, uh, is, is on one side, then we have to say that doubt is, is one of the, the biggies that comes at us. Our spiritual lives can be, can be plagued with doubt. We wonder if God is really there. We wonder if, if God really cares. We try to make sense of it all. We try to prove God's existence. Many scholars have, have done amazing work uh, over the centuries uh, uh, spelling out arguments for the existence of God. I, uh, I joked with, uh, with David Applegate this morning, I was going to turn the service over to him at this point so he could, uh, he could lay out, because he, he, uh, he's much more uh, uh, in, in depth and in tune with all of these. Our, we're not going to do that, David. We're, we're just hitting, hitting the surface. If anyone wants to experience any of these in further detail, you can see uh, uh, Dr. Applegate after the service. But um, there are several arguments uh, that have been uh, looked at and, and have pr- taken steps to, to point people toward faith. Because these things are true, because life is this way, then it must point toward the, the fact that God exists. And, and these things have helped to, to get rid of or to, to push back the doubts in our minds. One of them is the cosmological argument. Again, don't, don't worry, we're not, we're not uh, uh, hitting this in depth, but let me just, uh, just let you know about these things. The cosmological argument basically says that, um, 
that there is a cosmos or a universe, right? And since we see that universe, uh, it, it exists and its very existence, this universe in which we live, uh, because it exists, it suggests that it had a beginning or a start or a, a start or that someone or something started it. And so that points us toward away from doubt and points us toward faith in this, uh, in this being that would have started the cosmos. Uh, the, the next one is the teleological argument. I know it's a, it's a big old word, uh, but uh, basically, and it kind of goes along with the cosmological argument, that the world's design, because this world is, it's not just that it exists, but it's like designed and, and it's organized and there's order and structure to it. And, and so in looking at all that, uh, we see that, that not only is there uh, something or someone that started it, but this something or someone must be, uh, must be a, 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 a designer of sorts. That it's not not just uh, random, but that this this uh, this God, this deity, uh, designed it all. The ontological argument uh, kind of gets into uh, our, our mental thoughts a bit and, and says, well, because we can see, because every person that's born has this sense of man, there must be something more. That there's this there's this uh, uh, this this thought of there must be a God. And if we can conceive of that, if we're born with that, if, if we're, if we're thinking that, and down through history it's proved, uh, uh, nation after nation and, and generation after generation, we have this thought of, wow, this is, this rings true, there must be a God. And, and so if we have this thought in our minds, then, then it would naturally follow that there is a God that has planted that thought in our minds. The moral argument, uh, says that God must exist because of the inherent moral, uh, right and wrong that exists in the world. And, and we have this, this sense of, I think C.S. Lewis calls it the sense of oughtness. Something ought to be. There's, there's something that's right and something that's wrong. And, and we have this sense that, that, that there is this, this supernatural overarching sense of, of right and wrong. And so that morally suggests that there is a God who has placed that within us. There are other arguments uh, and theories and things to point us away from doubt and toward faith in the existence of God. But I think the one that, that I would uh, put forth today as the most effective, at least for me, is what smart people call the empirical argument and what I call experience with God. Through prayer and through scripture and through worship and through seeing God change lives, through seeing God encounter me in my life, seeing God encounter you in your life, seeing the change that God's, God makes in the world, we see evidence of God through his transforming work and it takes us away from doubt and points us to faith. It's not all spelled out in detail. It still takes faith, but we believe it because we see and understand God's hand at work. Maybe there's a time or two in your life like there are in mine that you go back to when things are difficult, when you have doubts, when you, when you wonder if, if this life of faith is real or if it's worth it. You remember that, that, that God did this. At those times, you go back to, no, wait, God did this. And I can't deny that. God, God worked in this situation. Uh, this happened, and I can't explain it any other way, but that God did that. And, and so because of that, I can go back to my experience with God, and that is the foundation of my faith. Those realizations strengthen our faith and resolve, and they can extinguish the flaming doubts that come from the evil one. There's a modern-day parable 
told about a, a family of mice who lived in a large piano. They loved their piano world and the music that often came to them, filling all the dark spaces with the sound and harmony. At first, the mice were impressed by it. They drew comfort and wonder from the thought that there was someone who made that music. And although this someone was invisible to them, he felt close to them. And they loved to think about this unseen player whom they could not see. Then one day, a daring mouse climbed up part of the piano and returned in a very thoughtful mood. He had made a discovery which revealed how the music was made. Wires were the secret, he said. He had found tightly stretched wires of graduated lengths which trembled and vibrated and so now the mice had to reverse their old beliefs and only the most conservative mice believed any longer in the unseen player. Yet another mouse on another expedition returned and uh, had a new discovery about the origins of the music. Hammers were the true secret and there were dozens of hammers that danced and leaped on the wires and, and this was a more complicated theory but it, but it all went to show that, that they lived in a mechanical universe and the unseen player came to be thought of as a myth in the family of mice. Meanwhile, the unseen player continued to play. The fact that God exists does not change based on my belief. In other words, just because I don't believe in God does not cause him to cease to exist, right? God can exist whether I believe in him or not. When we believe in him, we're aligning ourselves with what scripture says and we're getting rid of and pushing back the doubt. We're extinguishing the flames of the evil one and we're moving forward in faith. One of the the Russian cosmonauts came back from space and said, some people say God lives out there. I looked around and I didn't see any God out there. Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, uh, is said to have responded to that. If he had stepped outside the spaceship without his spacesuit, he would have seen God very quickly. (laughs) Maybe today you're not necessarily questioning the existence of God Perhaps, most likely, there has been a time in your life when you've had questions like that. Maybe that is today. I, I think that there is a, there's a good chance that a lot of us have wrestled with, with whether we can really believe in God or we can really believe in the God of the Bible, that we can really believe in the God who makes promises, the God who is, is supposed to come through for us whether it's going back to uh, philosophical and theological arguments or whether it's going back to uh, the, the experience of our, in our lives or in those that we know, we can strengthen our faith because faith extinguishes and pushes back those doubts. I think another big flaming arrow, um, maybe, maybe just as or more than doubt these days, is anxiety or fear, worry. Many people deal with anxiety today. I'm sure uh, most of us here have dealt with worry and anxiety from time to time. We've worried about this or we worry about that. Or uh, it, For me, it's, it's always, uh, you wake up at uh, uh, the wee small hours of the morning and all of a sudden something gets in your mind and you're wide awake and uh, you, meaning me, I, I'm not going to put that on you, but, but I, uh, uh, w- then it starts, you know, and, and you're going, oh man, and, 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 this wor- and if you just wake up all the way, <laughs> if I just wake up all the way, I could, uh, no, and push that back, but, 
Uh, I think fear and anxiety, I mean, uh, panic attacks and, and anxiety disorders and, and all these uh, other issues that, 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 that people deal with today are rooted in worry and fear, right? Anxiety and, and worry is rooted in fear. It's been said that, that the, the command, fear not, is the most common command in Scripture. I haven't counted, but I'm going to take their word for it. So I think we're in good company today when we worry and fret and fear about what is going to come because a bunch of people in the Bible seem to have struggled with this too. Every time God shows up, he says, fear not, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about this. Don't be afraid of what what people can do to you. Don't be afraid. Fear not, the most common command in Scripture. This flaming arrow of anxiety and fear has been very effective as a weapon of the devil throughout history in sidetracking the people of God. We hardly know how to live without, without worrying, I think. The fiery darts of worry and anxiety take root and we find ourselves following their lead instead of following God's lead. Uh, just a little whisper from the devil can weasel its way in and we find ourselves wondering if God is up to the task. Oswald Chambers says a lot about worry. He doesn't pull any punches. He says this, worrying always results in sin. We tend to think that a little anxiety and worry are simply an indication of how wise we really are, yet it is actually a much better indication of just how wicked we are. Fretting rises from our determination to have our own way. Our Lord never worried and was never anxious because His purpose was never to accomplish His own plans but to fulfill God's plans. Fretting is wickedness for a child of God. Fretting, worrying, is allowing that flaming arrow to get through the shield. I know it's easy for me to say from the pulpit, uh, don't worry, God is in control. And maybe uh, where you're sitting in your comfy chair, which I think has held you up through this whole time, right? I think your faith is well-founded. But uh, you're sitting there in this comfortable environment, it's probably easy to hear that and say, yes, I believe that God is in control. Good stuff. It's quite another thing to discover and rely on the peace and the presence of God in our lives, in your life, when the world is crashing in. When every indication is that God is not in control, but yet you hear, still hear, fear not. That's where faith is at its strongest. Because if do not fear doesn't work in those times, then it doesn't work at all. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This month marks uh, four years since my uh, father went to be with, uh, with his Savior in heaven. The experience of walking through those summer months of cancer diagnosis and surgery and, and a quick deterioration uh, ending in eight days of vigil at the hospice facility still brings up tender feelings. Even, even these years later. But, but of all the feelings that I remember in those days, 
of all the experiences that we walk through, of all the, the, the heart-wrenching, uh, painful uh, situations that we walk through in those days, the thing that I experienced most, the thing that, 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 that I experienced not only in those days, but as I think back, the thing that rises to the surface more than anything else, is this overwhelming peace. I found Philippians 4, 6 to be amazingly true, even while walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I testify to that today. I don't know why, but it almost surprised me a little bit. I've been preaching this stuff for years. (laughs) But to walk through it and to say, man, it's real. (laughs) It's it's true. This peace, it doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't have peace. I shouldn't shouldn't be believing God. And you know what? Things didn't work out how we were praying. But there was still a faith and a trust in God that he was working his way, his will and his way out in our world. This peace protected us like a shield from the temptation to doubt, from the temptation to dictate to God what he needed to do on our behalf, from the temptation to to shake our fist at him when he didn't do what we thought he should have done. Faith in God, confidence in him, confidence in God's will, that's the shield of faith. This peace instead of worry. One of my favorite Oswald Chambers quotes, again, talking about worrying. All our fretting and worrying is caused by calculating without God. (laughs) Oh, I've got this happening, this happening, this happening. I better worry about that. No, wait a minute. I didn't put one important thing into this calculation. Oh, God's not worried about this. God is not walking around heaven wringing his hands going, I wonder what they're going to do in this situation. I don't know. I'm not sure. How's this going to... Oh, I hope that God is in control and we can trust him. He is on our side. Uh, His will is right. His will is true. No matter what we face, no matter whether we see uh, or understand uh, what what happens or, or make sense of what happens, We are to take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's an exciting piece of the armor. And and you know what I I think it, it brings us? If we're getting rid of doubt and we're getting rid of fear, what does that fill us with? Courage, right? Faith is 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 courage underpinning us, that that we're going out in strength and and courage to to face this battle head on. We're not cowering this, this, I I don't want us to get the, the, uh, the thought that, uh, that this, the shield is somewhere where we just hide and hope for the best and wait till it all passes. No, these were advancing armies, right? And they're advancing with their shield. They'd block that, uh, that uh, barrage of arrows and then they'd keep on going. It's, it's this courage to face the enemy head on, knowing that you'll win. Because God is in control. Uh, one of our uh, general superintendents last week, uh, Eugen- Dr. Eugenio Duarte, spoke all about faith. I, I know this is recorded, but he spoke a long time about faith. I just need to share that. Uh, you guys have it easy here. You don't have a 90-minute sermon to sit through, okay? It's, uh, I'm just kidding. Dr. Duarte, I hope you're not listening to that. But um, he said a lot of great things. A lot of great things. Uh, for a long time. No, uh, he said a lot of, a lot of good stuff. But, uh, but one thing that he said that I pulled out of, of that as I was heading toward this message on faith, he said that, that uh, faith is being able to say, we do not know the answer yet, but we will not give up. 
We don't know the answer yet. I don't know how this is all going to work out. It might not even work out the way I want it to. We don't know the answer yet. I'm still going to have courage in advance because I have faith. Well, how, how do we do It's one thing to think about this in, in uh, metaphorical terms and this army and the shield and all that, but, but, but how, do we do, how do we take up the shield of faith? How do I stop worrying and start trusting in God? Uh, there, there are a few things. I'm sure more than, than, than what are on this list this morning, but, but these are a few. One thing we need to do is look to the past. Uh, we, we said, uh, I, I said when, when you're considering whether you're going to sit in that chair or not, one thing that you consider is, uh, is whether you've sat there in the past and whether it's worked in the past, right? So, so as we're considering uh, the things that we face uh, in our lives, the things that you've come into this room with today, the, the, and, and you're, you're looking at, well, how is God going to come through there? Well, well, let's look and see how God has come through for you in the past. Has, has God come through in this situation and that situation and that one? And, and yeah, it was a little different than what we wanted. Or, or what about this person that you heard, heard them testify about God's great work? Or you, you heard about this missionary and, and how God, can, or, or this person back in his, and, and we start to consider how God has worked in the past and, and dwelling on those times, knowing that God was able then can help us to know that God is able now. So read the stories of scripture. Read the stories of, of history. One great thing that, that, uh, that, that I like to do is, is to uh, read uh, biographies or autobiographies of great uh, people of faith. And it encourages your faith when you start to see, wow, these things really happened and, and they work. Uh, Hebrews 11 is a great place to start over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, it, it recounts the, the people of the Old Testament and how they followed God by faith. Look to the past. Pray. Philippians 4, 6, again, specifically says, uh, if you're anxious, pray. The antithesis of anxiety, prayer. Lift it to God. Trust him. Uh, how often do we uh, look to worry instead of look to prayer? Or we, <laughs> our worry can be masked as a prayer request, right? I'm concerned about the, that. That's the church word for worry and fretting, right? I'm, I have a concern. Well, quit being concerned and start praying, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, that wasn't too harsh, was it? No. Um, that, was, that was for me more than anybody else. Stop worrying and start praying. And, and I guess along with that is, is uh, developing your relationship with Jesus. The more time you spend with him, the more time you spend growing closer to him, the more time you spend developing, uh, allowing him to develop his character in you, the more you'll trust him. One other thing I think we need to do that we don't do much of is control our thoughts. Because really, that's where worry uh, gets at us. Like I described, uh, you know, the middle of the night kind of thing and those things just, uh, you know, they're really stupid most of the time. But, but uh, a lot of, whether it's in the middle of the night or not, uh, a lot of the times we think, well, we can't really control that. Uh, it's just what I think. It's just coming across my mind. And, but, but the scripture specifically says that we need to control that. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So in other words, a, uh, a, a, an anxious thought comes into our mind and, and for a second we say, oh wait, you know what? That needs to bow at the foot of Christ. If, if Christ is in charge, if God is, is, is the king of everything, I don't need to be anxious about that anymore. And we've taken that captive and we've turned it on its head and we've recognized that God is in charge. 
when we dwell on and believe the things that go against what we know about God, we get pulled into worry and fear. But it is possible, it's even commanded, that we do the hard work of taking our thoughts captive and putting them through the filter of Jesus. So raising the the shield of faith means that we will not give the devil our ear. We'll, We'll get rid of any of those thoughts and attitudes of doubt and fear because all it takes is a second for those things to to begin to take root in our lives. Resisting temptation means taking God at his word. It's interesting and... uh, You've probably been to the zoo and, and seen those uh, deer-like animals. They're kind of the impala. Maybe you own an impala, not a deer, but a car. But uh, I'm talking about the animal, not the car. But uh, anyway, the, in the zoo, you've got the impalas, and and they're, they're you know they're fast and they run, and they jump, and they say that that impalas in the wild can jump up to ten feet high over a span of thirty feet. Big deal, right? A huge, huge thing. And yet in the zoo, maybe you need to pay attention to this next time you're there, they, they can have them in an enclosure uh, with, a, with only a three-foot wall. Why is that? I heard that on your minds. You're wondering, why in the world? How could that be? They say that impalas will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. They will not jump if they can't see where they're going to land. Faith jumps even before we see how it's all going to work out, even before we see where we're going to land. It's the ability to trust what we cannot see, and with faith we are freed from the flimsy enclosures that might fe- of, of, of fear and worry that, that might entrap us. Gregory Dawson wrote these words, Doubt sees the obstacles, faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night, faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes, faith answers I. Some of my favorite uh, verses of scripture are earlier in this letter to Ephesians, just a couple of chapters uh, previous, the end of Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is praying for this church specifically, but also for the church in general, which would include us so many years later. And he, he, I think that, that some of these words really give us the foundation for taking up the shield of faith. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you truly believe that God can do immeasurably more than you could ever dream of, immeasurably more than what you'd ever even ask him to do, if you believe that that is your God, then that that he has the power uh, to do that in your life and in your world, you won't worry. You won't doubt, but you will be taking up the shield of faith to advance against the enemy. Father God, what a What a difficult thing it is sometimes to not worry, to not doubt, but to believe in you, even when we can't see the end, even when we can't see where we're going to land. Lord, I pray that even in these moments, not only will we celebrate the fact that that we can believe in you, 
But Lord, I pray that if there are those here today who, who are struggling in their faith, they, they would be honest and transparent before you. And that they would allow you to strengthen and encourage and build their faith even in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.